You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Bethany and I want to uh, talk together for a couple minutes, and then we're going to have a time of worship together where we can light our Pentecost candles. Um, and I love the the color and diversity of the table this year. We normally have like a long, you know, a long candle board that that looks all the same. And this year we're mixing it up um, because Pentecost has that flavor to it. You, I think you all, um, many of you know the story. It, Pentecost was this wild and wonderful event when it first happened. And Luke, um, who wrote one of the Gospels in the Bible, he he talks about it in his sequel letter. And I always think of Luke as Jim Caviezel now after uh, the Paul the Apostle movie. So Luke wrote the sequel that is the book of Acts, and it is the experience, the the very uncertain experiences of the early church. And I think we're just in times like like that too, where we don't know what's going to happen next either. And so we've been thinking about that all throughout Eastertide and um, mixing, trying to mix in some of our proverbs and convictions as a church to that conversation. And now it, it even goes into the, the next level here at Pentecost when when the believers receive the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. Um, The story goes that they were all gathered in one place like this. They were like literally in a house. And this thunderous rushing wind went through the house and suddenly there were these flames of fire on top of their heads. And suddenly they could speak to each other in, in their own languages, but actually understand each other. And what they, they, were, they were exclaiming things about the wonders of God. They were telling stories of what God has done in their lives, but they could all understand each other. And people thought they were drunk. They were so beside themselves. Um, but Peter, the apostle, got up and he kind of, explained what was happening and said, nobody's drunk here. This is exactly what was prophesied by our prophets in the Old Testament. He didn't call it the Old Testament, but he said, this is what our prophets told us would happen, that God was going to pour out his spirit on all people, all people, men, women, young people, old people, and and they can prophesy. And, And he and everybody can can be included through repenting of their sins and being baptized. And so thousands of people did that that day on that first Pentecost. Thousands. And the movement started to spread like wildfire, and that's what Luke was writing about. The movement started to spread like fire because the believers were like, uh, they couldn't contain this, this love and joy, this new life that was in them. And it was so, they were no longer like slaves to the Roman Empire. They were, they were living in a new economy. They were sharing their stuff. 
They were selling their possessions, putting it all together, and feeding the poor every day. And they were doing it like real publicly. They were like out on the street, like we were today, not hiding. And I and many of them paid dearly for that later. But they were truly free in their hearts and minds, free to love and to forgive because of God's spirit. So there's lots of points to make here um, in this story. Um, lots of things Bethany and I could focus on, like how God goes to like great lengths to include people and um, bring the spirit of understanding between people and how we too can be saved from our corrupt generation, like Peter was talking about. Um, we too can devote ourselves to fellowship and prayer and sharing our resources. And I hope we, I hope we keep, you know, putting our minds to that in the coming months throughout the summer. But the one part I want to hone in on tonight that Peter said is this prophecy from the Old Testament. Um, for some reason, this is the one Bible verse I ever, like, really made my kids learn. Um, I don't even know if they remember it, but I love this. It's David was prophesying this in the Psalms, and Peter was repeating it in this moment because it was, like, actually coming true. Peter was saying, now this is happening right now. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So this, this prophecy from many, many years ago is like was fulfilled in Jesus, and then it's confirmed here in this moment that like God's spirit is being given to us. I think Peter was pointing out the, the abyss could, could no more hold the redeemer of the world than a pregnant woman can, can hold a baby in her body. God will never abandon us to death. In fact, he will make known to us the paths of life right here. And so we don't have to be shaken by the uncertainty, by all that we face. And I think that's the message for us today, especially if you are sad and anxious or worried. My encouragement to you is to let your heart be steadied by God here, even in the wildness of this day. Let your heart be steadied. God is here. He's got you. One of my cellmates told a story uh, about a moment that seemed like Pentecost to me. Um, she was so sick at one point recently um, that she couldn't sleep. Like I think it was like a sinus infection, and you know how like debilitating those can be? And so she was like sitting, sitting uh, upward, you know, trying to sleep because she couldn't lay down. And um, after a couple days of this, she was feeling pretty hopeless when suddenly she was aware of a presence like a friend by her side. And I think that was the Holy Spirit comforting her 
maybe Jesus himself. But I think the point is that he is here, and nothing need shake us. This peace in an unpeaceful and very divided world, right? I keep talking to family members, like extended family members of mine and hearing about other churches and just realizing how divided our country is, is becoming. Um, anyway, this peace in an unpeaceful and divided world I think makes us uniquely gifted to build community and love. Um, and that's the mark of God's witnesses. It's not how great you can be alone, you know, like we're taught to be in this individualistic culture. It's how much can we actually love each other. That's, that's the mark of Pentecost. That's the uh, empowerment of Pentecost. And so because God is with us, here's our proverb for today. We're called out to be a living organism building community together in love. Um, and I want to note, like, it's not that we're an, we're not an organization, right? We're an organism. An organization, I think, is made up of these individualistic, interchangeable parts, whereas an organism is alive, and every cell, every part matters. It, like, is essential to the whole. I think that's, that's the body of Christ, and that's what the Holy Spirit was empowering at Pentecost. And so our peace comes from knowing that we matter like that. We matter because we're part of an, an organism, not part of an organization. Does that make sense? We're essential to God and to each other. Um, the hard part about organisms, though, um, is that they are, they are fragile. They're fragile. Um, kind of like this little seedling. And I put that picture up there because I could, um, I was telling a friend this week, every year in elementary school, they gave us a little tree for Arbor Day. And I would take my tree home, and I would plant it really carefully, and I would put like a red... Um, a red bow on it sometimes, or like sometimes even build a little fence around it. And every single, I, I lived at a, my dad was a park ranger, and so he had this maintenance crew. And every single year, the maintenance crew would like not even see my red bow or my fence and just like mow my little tree down. <laughs> and I was sad every year, and then every year I'd go back and I'd try again. And, that, and I didn't have one tree come up. But I think that, um, I say that to, to say that organisms are fragile, and I think our, ch our church can be like that little seedling. We, we suffer um, if we neglect one another, right? If we gossip, um, if, our, if our members prioritize getting their needs met over the whole, over looking out for the health of the whole, we suffer. Um, we suffer if we lie to each other or use each other. We get hurt. Trust systems are fragile. If we hold grudges or ghost on each other, we, we are unreconciled. And, and reconciliation is like our whole thing. Mm -hmm. So being an organism requires the spirit to empower us, to pay attention, 
and take care and not to be reckless or neglectful with the little seedling that is us. The other side of being an organism, and then Bethany's going to take it away, the flip side of being an organism is that we're also like this tree I saw at FDR yesterday, like pushing, the roots are pushing up through the asphalt. The life force is just relentless. So even though this tree is a vulnerable, killable organism, it is changing (laughs) the path. It is coming up through the cement. It can't be stopped. I think we're like that too. The power of the Holy Spirit makes us a constant threat to the domination system. By the power and victory of Jesus, we undermine the forces of darkness every day. That's who, that's who we're made to be here by Pentecost. We are subversive to the powers. And I think the more we repent, the more we pray, the more we invite people into this life with us, the more we will continue to subvert the system. Tell us more about that, Beth. I feel like I start most of my sermons off by telling you guys that I hate being vulnerable. So it wouldn't be fair if I didn't start that one, this one that way as well. Um, I think the vulnerability of being a living organism is really difficult for us. Um, I know it's difficult for me. I imagine it's difficult for all of us. Um, But I think it's that vulnerability and discomfort that really leads us to transformation. Um, So what I want to do is kind of focus on the story of Pentecost. So we're going to read Acts 2, 1 through about 12 together. Um, But what I really want you to keep in mind is um, how fire and the feeling of burning, that urgency that comes with a burn, can move you into some sort of action and transformation. Um, And that's kind of how I want to view this story in our lives together. Um, So I'm going to give you two personal stories where I encountered fire or I encountered a burn. Um, And those stories are more negative than I want you to think of, like being moved by the spirit. Um, But I think they're like literal stories of transformation. Um, So I kind of talked about this about a month ago at our late night Sunday. there once a month services that we had at 1125. Um, and yeah, when I was about five years old, um, my mother was making us chicken, chicken tenders, chicken nuggets, dinosaur chicken nuggets, I believe, because I know you needed that detail. Um, and she left the grease frying accidentally and like went outside. And I, I remember si- sitting in our bedroom and seeing the flames reflect off of the bedroom door we ran outside and told our mom, mom, the house is on fire. And her thinking that we were being dramatic kids, she was like, all right, I'll be right in. So she kind of finished up her laundry and then came inside. And I remember hearing her scream, fire! Me and my sister were like, we told you there's a fire. I don't know why you're screaming now. Um, So we all ran out of the house. It tore our kitchen apart. Um, And I also remember that was the first time I saw my mom cry. It It was like a moment where I realized, oh, grown-ups cry too. I wonder if she's upset about her Barbie dolls or what's going on. Like, she's really upset about this thing. Um, So 
we ended up having to get our kitchen totally remodeled, got brand new stuff, brand new kitchen, brand new furniture. But fire literally like transformed our home. Um, and then another time, I guess I was having a bad year with burns. Um, I think it was maybe that same year or earlier in that year, I burned my thigh on a, um, like a radiator. Um, I was like changing the TV channel or something, but I was short enough that it like seared my, my thigh and I didn't want to tell my parents. So like a couple of days later, my sister saw this big like burn and gash on my leg and dragged me into my, into my parents' bedroom to show them. And they were like, what happened to you? And because I let a couple of days go by before it got treated, it turned into like a pretty bad scar. I still kind of have it 25 years later. So like that burning literally like transformed my body. Um, and that's kind of how I think of um, the movement of the spirit in burning. I don't think of it as leaving a literal scar, but I do think of it as um, this thing that is urging us and moving us together. Um, we can be transformed by the movement of the spirit. Um, it is this discomfort that leads to radical transformation for us as a body. And it's within discomfort and vulnerability that God is so often revealed to us and through us and within us. Um, it's the urgency of fire and burning and discomfort that led to the formation of the church. Um, so I'm going to read to you uh, the story of Pentecost, and that's in Acts 2. Um, I'm going to read until 21, until 12, actually. Um, so when the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could, no one could tell where it came from. And it filled the whole building. And then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. And there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run. And then when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. And they kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and prophylites, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our language, describing God's mighty works, and their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused, saying, what's going on here? And others joked, oh, they must be drunk with wine. Um, yeah, I'd go as far as to even say that it's the discomfort um, that leads us closer to the power of God. Um, and I think that was exhibited here in the early church and in their lives together afterwards. Um, the early church shared and did everything together. Um, they shared their monetary resources, their meals together, and even their homes. And I think um, that that communal sharing unleashes this deep, 
power and movement of God for us as well. Um, sharing our resources looks like opening our homes together and partaking in community living, sharing our money um, and sharing specifically to the mutuality fund, your talents as a singer or a musician, and there are other, lot, there are other ways um, that we can share together and unleash the power of God. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.